Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, Episode 6, the one after Bathurst. And yes, we are back at home, everything's unpacked. Uh, the washing was on yesterday and so we are officially home. Um, live just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in the UK, Thursday morning of course in Australia. Don't forget you can tweet us at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mom. And also tonight, because we didn't get time to do it as we were on national television at the weekend we'll be looking for your nominations for the spirit of the race award from bathurst a hashtag sotr through this program and our i respect spirit of the race award will be announced just after the show because we're going to do a post-race tech then as well because we didn't have time uh, on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever the heck it was. Um, it is uh, Series 10, Episode 6. Already a, a, a thread up on the Listeners Collective, the forum at RadioLamont.com. And let's go down uh, up to London, excuse me, uh, and say good evening to our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good. That's good. Um all good, in fact. You can hear me, I can hear you. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features, uh, probably out of sequence. Ah. One thing I, I would say, mm-hmm. I don't have Nick Damon here. Well, we have a lot in common, John. Because you don't have him there either. I also don't have Nick Damon here, um, but I believe he's having tea. Ah, yes, of course. He did tell us last week, didn't he? Yes. It is uh, the young Damon's, young Master Damon's... He's not young it's anymore. It's his significant birthday. He's old enough birthday. to drive legally. Yes, it's his significant birthday, isn't it? Um, OK, right, well, we'll have Nick later on. Uh, we'll be looking back at Bathurst, of course. Uh, and don't forget your questions, please, points of view, or just a general, uh, uh, general observations to hashtag... A B12HRPRT, please, at RadioLamont.com. At RadioLamont, sorry, on Twitter. B1212HRPRT, and we'll get that sorted out after the race because we'll be doing a bit of extra time tonight. Uh, also, some American news with Racer.com's Marshall, Marshall Pruitt. Uh, and as soon as the bed disappears, I will fade up our first guest and we can get cracking if you wish. Do you want me to play news jingle? Well, only if you're going to give us some news. We are going to start with some news, yeah. All right, well, that seems like a reasonable idea then, Tim. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, here it comes. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. 
Midweek Motorsport. And what have you have? Shuffle your papers. What do you have for uh, your first uh, your first bit of news? We're going to start with some Australian news. <laughs> Are we really? Yes. How exciting! Uh, and I'm delighted. Uh, oh no, we don't have an Australian correspondent. Uh, well, we do. It's we have someone who was in Australia with you, uh, but he's in bed, probably. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, now, while you were at Bathurst. Australia's yeah. Premier Motor Racing Series held its first event of the season at uh, Eastern Creek. You mean the series that believes itself to be the Premier Series? Of course. That's uh, V8 Supercars. Mm. Uh, and uh, they had a little test. And uh, I saw some of it on TV. And in particular, I saw a bit where they were getting very excited about the fact that Michael Caruso had been excluded from the times for reaching the pit lane exits late. Mm. Mm. Now, he was, he was interviewed about it by a girl called Rihanna. Yeah, uh, Rihanna, that's right. Insert, she is part of it. Insert your own jokes about umbrellas. No, she is, she is part of the team. And that is right. She, uh, she asked, uh, asked him uh, uh, if he was upset, and he said, well, it means I can get an earlier flight home. <laughs> now, uh, bear in mind that Michael Caruso races for for which team? Uh, he's a Nissan driver. He is a Nismo athlete, yes. Mm. Um, so, uh, that kind of uh, puts that slightly into context, because Nismo weren't particularly happy about the clash, were they? Well, Rick, well but Rick Kelly was fastest in two uh, sessions, for sure. Yes. Uh, she followed up with uh, a look of... How dare you be so disrespectful? And how do you think your team will react to that attitude? Mm. Uh, to which he replied, At the end of the day, cliche there, we know how fast we went, mm-hmm. and this is only a test. Well, hang on. Uh, I've got a little it, quote it, from him here. Go on then. We're talking about practice. <laughs> not a game, not a game, not a game. <laughs> We're talking about practice that's fantastic not a do you game. know what i just queued up not a, not a, not the game that i go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last not the game we're talking about practice man i mean how silly is that man we're talking about practice but we're talking about practice man what are we talking about practice we're talking about practice, man. <laughs> We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice. Michael Caruso there. Uh, do you know what I had here ready to say? If you've got a moment, we'll play this. Anybody tell you that I miss practice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had the same. And it wasn't even practice. It was a test. Yes. Which comes before practice. Well, yes. It's clearly not the w- words they wanted to hear because they'd been building it up all day as being so much more than a test. They spent the final half hour of their broadcast claiming Chas Mostert had won the first event of the season. No, he didn't. It was a test. It has no <laughs> meaning. There was no winner. But there may not have been a winner. There was a loser. And that's Fox Sports, who, having paid 46 million Australian dollars for the rights to all 16 events over the next four years, 
years attracted an audience of 30,000 people. Uh, that's the equivalent of, for that event, $23.95 per viewer. Mm. Or two large pizzas, a large bottle of cola, and a garlic bread from the local Domino's. Mm. It's uh, also fewer than the number of people who actually went to Bathurst and paid to get in, which was uh, a gate of 32,300. And far fewer than the 390,000 who watched Bathurst on TV. Uh, and that I think there's mo- there'll be more than that when the the rest of the figures come in. I mean that uh, yes, well, it it's it's their event. It was their banner for the new season. Graham Goodwin, editor of Daily Sports Car, is listening to us, and he joins us from uh, GGHQ. Oh, we, we should call that DHHQ. It's not a shed. It's a bunker. I think we can call it. Hello, Graham. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, that's r- rather amusing stuff, isn't it, really? I, I, I only just caught up with that, Tim. Thank you for that. Um, you are still in the midst of race lag, as we all are. Jet lag and race lag, actually. Um, I, I think... I'm not going to throw more fuel onto this fire. The, the comments, though, that I would like to pass along is that of the people who talked to us at the weekend at Bathurst. The people who have stopped going to the thousand uh, in the back end of the year because of a very, very small minority of badly behaved. I'm not going to call them fans because they aren't people who follow the V8 supercars and they've they've seemed to be spoiling it for a large, large part of the the former fan base, Graham. And um, we met some people outside of the outside of the museum didn't we um on saturday who were very much oh yeah i used to come to all of these used to come to all of the thousand k's now i don't this is a better atmosphere and a better event uh yeah i think it's two things you're absolutely right you're absolutely right there's certainly the kind of the uh the minority of uh unpleasantness up on the mountain actually because what they were talking to us about was a bit of an attitude around the series as well now we know that's not the competitors because we've met several of them in other races, and to say the least, they're incredibly pleasant, uh, amenable, uh, media-savvy, public-friendly type people. Um, but what I was hearing time and time and time again about uh, V8 Supercars was an attitude from from the powers that be. Um, and I found that very disappointing. I mean, you know, you were with me in that museum shop and I totted along and, and paid not a little money for the history of that race, uh, the Bathurst 1000Ks, because, you know, that was a big part of my, um, you know, my <sighs> motorsport history. It really was. Um, but now, for whatever reason, I have to say it's left a bit of taste. The fact that, you know, what Tim was just saying a few moments ago, uh had me Riley amused. It shouldn't, but it does. And the reason it does is because I'm terribly sorry, but they they just keep shooting themselves in the foot, reloading and shooting themselves in the foot again. And uh, frankly, those figures are what they deserve uh, from from the way that these things that this has actually gone down. Uh, you know, we didn't have a clue what um, what they were going to get in terms of broadcast audience, did we? But uh, in terms of the way that they've conducted themselves. Uh, uh, frankly, I think they deserve all they get for this, uh, and I, I sincerely hope they get the message from their fan base, many of whom were at uh, the Bathurst 12 Hours and many had a thoroughly 
more and yeah. more of which would have watched on television. Absolutely. Now, um, it helped. It helped. In fairness, it's free to air. Uh, it was on a network all throughout the day uh, in one form or another. And so it was easy to find, easy to get to. Um, and it helped that the race was presented in small chunks. We'll talk about Bathurst in a wee while. Um, following up some quotes afterwards, I've James O'Brien of Yeehaw, who who runs, who's the the promoter of the Bathurst 12 Hours, the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 Hours. Um, I think was doing exactly the right thing as he has done all the way through. When he says, "Look, this wasn't a vow making. Um, everybody knows when we are. We haven't been." Um, casting aspersions at um, the other side of this debate. The the guys on the V8 side have said it wasn't our choice, it was down to the TV company. The TV company has said it's a congested schedule What with the end of the big bash, the Aussie tennis open and the start of the cricket. We had no time to fit it in, other than this weekend, obviously. Um, and such like. So, they've already said it won't uh, it it won't the clash won't happen next year the issue is Graham and I, I'm listen and I, I really am not wanting to stir this up but the issue is at Bathurst this year we got the biggest crowd the 12 hours has had we got new fastest laps in every session including although not an outright lap record because it wasn't sitting the ra- set in the race the fastest ever lap set in competition which was something over five seconds a lap quicker than the quickest Fiat supercar has ever gone over the top of there, including on the new surface last year. Um, and nobody seemed to miss the Fiat supercar drivers at all. Right, let's look at it from the other way. If you were a Fiat supercar driver, would you be worried that your non-attendance at Bathurst last weekend was actually nobody talking about it at all. Uh, I think they should be worried about it. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of a, another wrap-up piece, so I did a quick race report as much as my tiredness would allow, but, uh, <laughs> to talk about some of the lessons we learned from it. And one of the things that you know, he mentioned after the race was we didn't have an Australian racer on the podium. Correct. And that wasn't for the one of trying. I thought the Erebus uh, squad in particular, and as well as which the uh, the Largo Lamborghini squad, for that matter, yes, was was incredibly well done. And you know they were just unlucky in a, a number of uh, regards. But um, I think Australian motorsport should take a good hard look at itself here because this was an event of high quality. Forget what it was. Forget what was up against it. This was an event of high quality. And the reality was that Australian motorsport didn't do its best to show off its best in an event of high quality without any good excuse. And I'm sure at the moment there's a a huge degree of backpedalling going on. And I'm sure this might well have been forced on them by a TV deal. But I'm staggered that you can get yourself into that amount of strife (laughs) <laughs> for, frankly, for, for such petty reasons. And, you know, I, I feel a bit robbed that we didn't get a chance to see some of those V8 supercar guys. Uh, after meeting Craig Lowndes, for instance, uh, and Betty Clemenko at um, the Spa 24 Hours last year, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to the fact that we'd have something of hugely high quality, featuring the very best that it possibly could, uh, on a track that I'd always wanted to see. And I felt a little bit robbed by that. That's not James O'Brien's fault. It's not the driver's fault. It's the eight supercars' fault. Because whatever the excuse is, whatever 
the um, you know it's down to the the broadcast deal. They allowed themselves to be bullied into it. It's not acceptable. And I hope they've learned the lesson. I hope they'll take that bloody nose that they were given by the various circumstances and learn from it. Because believe you me, there is only going to be one loser moving forward, and it's not going to be the 12 hours of Bathurst. Um, let's quickly uh, run through one or two things that are coming in uh, from the audience. At Spectutainment, at Radio Le Mans. Um, everybody laughing at the Alan Iverson uh, cut. Thank you, Tim. Well done. Um, and... The um, uh, Alfred Wallace Cad Pig says Aussie V8s don't get that growing all of motorsport in Australia will grow them as well. I think that's a, a reasonable point. Growing the market is never um, a bad thing. Um, surely Bathurst needs the numbers at the thousand and the twelve hour to be viable, says Nick Holland. Yeah, uh, Nick, I think it does, but. Um, I think from what we heard from the very lovely Mayor of Bathurst, who is just Gary to us now, obviously, um, and the fact... Gazza, I think, isn't it? He's Australian. Come on. Gazza, probably. Gazza, um, And yes. the fact that he was prepared to reveal live on national television, much to the chagrin of um, the uh, Bathurst Regional Council uh, PR, Lady Victoria. Um, she's not Lady Victoria. Well, she might be, actually. Um, she, that there's going to be a she's second... She's in the wrong state for that. Well, yes. Um, that there's going to be a second circuit there, a permanent circuit. What we came away with thinking in terms of the viability of the circuit, Graham, is that there's new uh, catch fencing, there's new roof fencing, which did uh, a better job than last year. Not completely secure, of course. They've resurfaced the track... They've improved the pit facilities. They're improving the paddock facilities. They're going to inv- improve the camping facilities and extend them. And the stock of even opening up more camping facilities for the 12 hours for next year. This is a venue owned by the council that understands that there is the opportunity here to have maybe four or five events a year uh, of different characters. And as I said in an interview um, to another major organisation before we left Australia, Graham. I think there's enough room to have Australia's Great Race, which is still the Bathurst 1000, and let's make no bones about that, whatever. whatever. But this new Summer Classic, and that is exactly what it is for the Australian public, a Summer Classic, in the winter for us in Europe and the Northern Hemisphere, There are there is a place for both of these events to coexist and it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of V8 supercar drivers bringing the V8 supercar crowd in fact there's a part of that crowd that was there on Sunday that's quite happy that it's not absolutely if you look at the I mean Bathurst and uh, Eastern Creek not that far apart you can drive between them in less than three hours yes no no it's three hours trust me the speed limits are very slow um, but 32,300 people at Bathurst mm-hmm. Eastern Creek obviously weren't charging people to get in but yeah. it was only a test Yes. but it attracted 27,000 people oh, is that what they're saying now they said 60,000 people on uh, Sunday no that's not what they're saying that's how many people actually went we, right, okay. we, we don't use Australian uh, circuits uh, figures. Otherwise, we'd be wondering where 343,000 
spectators that the Australian Grand Prix came from. Ah, you know, reasonable, yes. Uh, so we use uh, our own audited figures. So 27,000 people at Eastern Creek. And where did that come from? Uh, one of our sources. Excellent. But combined... That's, that's pretty good. Combined, that's, that's 60,000 people in a not-a-huge catchment area. True. Which over, um, so, an overlapping catchment areas. If you compare that with the number of people who went to MotoGP at Phillip Island... Yeah, thirty-one and a half thousand people, mm-hmm. um, or obviously the three hundred and forty-three thousand who went to the Australian Grand Prix, which we don't believe, uh, but can't find anything that's actually accurate either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isadora uh, said, uh, "Viet got more than a bloody nose last weekend." Keo springs to mind. Seriously, what were they thinking? Uh, James Scantlebury says, it's 4 a.m. in the arrivals hall here at Taiwan, but I'm listening in. Am I cr- crazy? Nothing to do with the VA thing, but I wanted to read that out uh, uh, as well today. Uh, it, uh, understand that the VA test said Rob Jones wasn't even on Fox Sports 1 in Australia on Sunday. It was on Fox Sports 5. Uh, that's way down um, the order. Um, what else here? Uh, 27,000 says Adam Zimmer looking at the photos I saw about 10,000 that might be for the whole weekend um, it was a one day event wasn't it uh, ok sorry I'll, I know that the, the figures that came out for Bathurst was for the weekend uh, and frankly Graham Goodwin editor of dailysportscar.com um, those, it, it, those figures for the weekend for Bathurst at 32,000 uh, 500 whatever it was 6,000 at one last year by the way um, I believe that entirely because the whole of the campground on the infield was absolutely chocker from Thursday onwards. It's one of the very few times I've been at an event and been handed a, a crowd figure and been surprised it was as few as it was. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's. Uh, I think, look, it, it, this goes down the same line as a conversation I had with a journalistic colleague fairly recently, John. And that was the question came should we be covering more WEC? That was the question. Mm-hmm. Which my answer is yes. Because it doesn't matter what level the audience is currently at. The fact of the matter is, unlike almost every other audience in motorsport, it's growing. Yes. And it's the same with this. You know, you've got to be, you know, some sort of, well, let's not, let's not go into name calling. You've, you really have got to be narrow-minded not to take into account the fact that this is something that's going to be good for motorsport. And I get it. I get the fact that there's commercial concerns. I get all of that. But when you, the V8 Supercar Championship, uh, are, you know, got your backs to the wall in terms of, uh, you know, future planning, and they do, with you know that there needs to be a new plan with the cessation of um, V8 four-door uh, saloons uh, production in uh, in Australia, that they need another plan. I don't think it's very clever to seem to go out of your way to alienate something that actually might be an assist a little uh, further down the line. Uh, furthermore, by the way, and, and read uh, something on Daily Sports Car the next 24 hours once I've actually managed to get a halfway decent night's sleep, um, <laughs> about the fact that we're not just looking at the Bathurst 12 hours moving forward. There is a bigger plan, and uh, I'll be bringing the, uh, the, as much as I possibly can of that bigger plan uh, to Daily Sports Car readers, and I'll share it with your uh, uh, listeners as well, John, as soon as I can actually get those notes written up. Let, let's let's move on from the battle should between... They, oh, should they... Um, let's not. <laughs> should they have a bike race back at Bathurst? Ah, well, now, uh, maybe we'll take this up in post-race tech 
afterwards. But part of the whole thinking of building the 1.8km circuit uh, and the cut-through at the back of the paddock is uh, so that they can get a bike race back. Yes. Uh, New South Wales uh, and Bathurst Regional Council are desperate to rest away the uh, MotoGP from Phillip Island. I, I think that'll be difficult. However, there might be a big chip going Dorna's way. And uh, well, as we'll... other motor race it, motorbike series are available. True, but I think they want MotoGP. Um, but as we will hear in the second half of the programme, when Nick joins us after Jim's birthday party, um, motor, motorcycle series are often swayed by large checks. Um, so it may not be out of the out of the question. I I, I think let's not preempt too much what the listener might want to uh, ask the questions of later on at uh, Radio Le Mans hashtag hashtag B12HRPRT for after the show tonight. We'll get Graham back on that uh, for a wee half an hour of, of blast through some of your questions. Um, it might be a good idea, however, to just quickly have a, a run through some of our thoughts of, of what we saw, Graham, um, at the weekend. Uh, and we'll grab Marshall as well for some bits and pieces of, of other sports car news as well. But in terms of the the race and the event itself at the Liquid Molly Bathurst, uh, 12 hours best I've been there three years now best one I've seen uh, in terms of, of spectator numbers the um, and by the way we're hearing just to prove we're live Paul Lambert has been sacked from his uh, English Premier League it's funny job. it was only uh, earlier today that he said that uh, he was confident he wouldn't be relegated this season and uh, he's um, has been borne out yeah uh, he won't be the team might be but he won't be um, actually um, before we move on, do you uh, <laughs> uh, do you want to do a pointless press release of the week now? I do. Oh, the okay. news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons, pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. The reason we're doing this now is because it follows on quite nicely from uh, what Graham said about uh, WEC uh, audiences growing. Okay, good. Uh, because uh, the latest refig- the latest figures reveal a huge growth in the popularity of World Rallycross. Right. Uh, because the total television audience numbers for last year's FIA World Rallycross Championship presented by Monster Energy showed an increase of more than 550% in dedicated coverage. That's the amount of minutes that you see on television. And an infinite growth in audience, because it didn't exist didn't in exist. 2013. Yes, exactly. Mm. So, uh, uh, pointless press release from World Rallycross there. Yeah, that's Showing a massive growth from zero to something. Yes, infinitely. Um, Graham Goodwin is still with us. We'll have another pointless press release. In the we will. Tonight. Um, well, we'll move on. Um, Graham, we didn't get a chance because obviously we were going up to the national news on uh, on seven, uh, live and free on seven is something that I've got stuck in my head now. Um, just your thoughts then on what we saw at the weekend. Clearly, there were too many safety cars in terms of the flow of the race. Can't think of anyone that wasn't justified, if I'm honest, and we might think of some ideas of how that might improve 
But the event itself, you can't knock uh, for bringing us a grandstand finish. Uh, I had an absolutely brilliant weekend. I really did. I agree with you entirely, John. It's the point I made to James O'Brien that uh, it was a shame that we had so many uh, safety cars. You're right, though. Race control usually gave time to see whether or not cars could be moved. We had one or two heart-in-the-mouth moments. Uh, there were a couple where we had a safety car, reading, uh, sorry, a yellow flag period, reading a yellow flag period. I'd like to see them taking a look at alternatives. I know that James wasn't a fan of doing so. Uh, and, you know, he, as the race promoter might justifiably say, it didn't do any harm in terms of the show at the end of the race. Now, did it? And he'd be right. Um, but what we did see was cars really struggling to uh, get back a missing lap. Uh, and that's because the way the, the rules kind of um, pan out, in some ways it helps to get racing back to uh, back to racing very quickly. But it did, we did see, for instance, the, uh, the ice brake Porsche, the 32 Lamborghini, uh, for that matter, the Clearwater Ferrari, uh, struggling to find the momentum to get back onto a lead lap, despite the fact that they were pushing very, very hard and that the Bathurst circuit is not that long a circuit. So it's something that perhaps they might want to take a look at and see whether or not, you know, in, in different circumstances, it might not quite give the result that we saw uh, this weekend if you carry on with the, the rules as they currently stand. I'd like to see a tweak, at least. Um, it, you know, it is a circuit you've got to take seriously. Uh, there, are, You know, there are no mistakes that are going to be anything other than pretty terminal for the for the car uh, once you get up to the top of that hill uh, it's absolutely unforgiving I'm sure uh, it probably focused your attention on the Monday didn't it John while you were having a bit of a play out there in a, uh, in a V8 you know it's interesting because whilst I accept that that was a, a school car and not a full blown V8 um, on your own with no one else around or very few people around and only overtaking people um, on the bottom part I, I overtook uh, I was in a Holden, so obviously I had to overtake every Ford I saw. Uh, overtook a Ford going up Mountain Street and coming down into Marriage Corner. I operate one on the run into that, um, which was quite fun. When everything's going fine and you're on your own, it's actually a really nice circuit. And I've had a few laps around there in street cars, obviously not at any speed, but bolted into a car with a cage and a V8 and slick tyres was actually nowhere near as intimidating as I thought it would be. Until you miss a gear on your downshift going up through the cutting when you're coming down into second to try and punch out of the cutting. And all of a sudden, everything gets very, very tight on you very, very quickly. Now, you know, we got a bit squirrely. We got sideways. I eventually got it into second. Um, I just took it in third the next time because the car was so talky. And um, much to the chagrin of uh, Brad Shields, who was alongside me, the Bathurst resident, who was uh, one of the Porsche drivers, actually didn't drive the race, did he? Um, the car was out before he got into it. But it's actually a really nice circuit to drive. And for a tri time trial or a sprint or a hill climb or whatever, on your own, you know, once you've driven it, it's not a hard circuit to learn. There's not that much of it, as you rightly say, Graham. That's fine. It's great. It's, it's not that intimidating. Until you've got a Bentley up your chuff or you're trying to pass you know, um, a touring car or or you've got to go offline um, or you're doing it at the end of a three-hour stint and you're tired and dehydrated. That 
is what brought it to my mind. The cambers in the race car aren't quite as um, the change of cambers in the race car aren't quite as um, deadly as they are perhaps in a straight car. Coming down through the S's and the dip is fantastic, and it is like a roller coaster ride, and you just want to do it over and over again. And getting the left-hand wheels off the ground as you drop down through the dipper is fantastic. And that's third, and short shift into fourth, by the way, before you hammer down towards the uh, the Falcon Tires elbow, Forest elbow, and pulling 230, 240 kilometres down the straight, and just a quick lift and back on again for the kink is is a lot of fun. Um, what I think about that track is that it races very well. And we saw, didn't we, Graham, at the weekend? We saw that beautiful 15 minutes of driving by uh, Chio Sand when he was just on the verges, I think, of the top three. He was either third or fourth. And he had, you know, the next three cars behind him and a whole load of lapped cars in front of him. And he took his time and picked them off one by one. Didn't put his car anywhere he didn't need it to be. Didn't put himself in danger and managed to defend at the same time. I cannot imagine what I cannot imagine is driving that whilst looking in your mirrors, trying to race someone else in front of you. When it's clear, it's doable. When there's people all around you, it must be sheer hell. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I think you picked out one of a number of standout drives. I mean, shows. Uh, working through the traffic under pressure. Let's not forget in the last half hour of the race. I think it was uh, th- when we came just into the last half hour. He had 14 cars between him and the lead two. Oh, yeah. When we got to the second last uh, safety car, there were seven. Uh, and then, of course, there were, on the restarts, uh, there were one, two, three, and we saw that extraordinary restart, which, by the way, I've looked again at, and the, he, it was absolutely clean. Um, oh, I've seen a still. I've seen a still of it, and the the rear end of the Audi is one side of the start finish line, and the splitter at the front of the Nissan is the other side of the line. Yeah. It might only be three inches wide that line, but there's three inches between them. There's no overlap. I mean, I mean Krilzy nailed it when he said, "I think what you saw there was the best restart in in uh, Bathurst history." Uh, fantastic stuff, I'm sure. But you know, the I guess the issue in terms of how you how and when you need to neutralise a race is you're right, John, that it is kind of quite intimidating in those circumstances. But also, if you've had an incident up there, there are so many corners which are completely blind. Correct. So, you know, you'll come through there because you've got to keep the momentum up to actually get the good lap times in. You're going to come through there and have absolutely nowhere to go. I mean, the early, uh, when we were still, we're still racing in near darkness and we had one of the Mazdas, uh, the RX-8s had, uh, had spun out. And how many times did people very nearly collect that car? So, you know, they do have to take it seriously. It's very easy for, for you or I only to be able to say, go with slow zones. You know, they need to see whether or not that works. They need to do the numbers. But, you know, I'd like to see them do it. I'd like to see them have a look at it uh, in the interest, first and foremost, of safety. Um, and secondly, uh, because let's face it, one of the most serious accidents we saw was actually under a safety car with the little Audi TT absolutely rear-ending the uh, the Pirelli-sponsored Ferrari. Which we didn't uh, see on television, but we did. We didn't, but we could see the mighty um, break, uh, uh, the tie marks from, from braking, which, which tended to kind of indicate that the, the Audi had been not paying terribly much attention and, and catching up the queue. But a straight answer here is, everybody walked away. Not all the cars, uh, I'm afraid, went away. But uh, we had ultimately what was a very good race and a great event and the more important part for me 
than the bits and pieces we're talking about there was the attitude of the whole event. Everybody I spoke to had a great time, including me, and I'm sure including you. Mm. Everybody felt welcome there. Everybody felt as if their contribution was uh, was valued. And I saw an awful lot of smiling faces post-race. It, it, it does bear saying to other circuits, and by the way, um, I just want to say that um, quite clearly, um, Marshall's listening in already, we'll have him on. He's uh, just said Bathurst 1000 equals Sebring plus more hooligans. Bathurst 12 hours equals petite with the addition of kangaroos, which I think is quite funny. Um, uh, it's what, one other point I'd like to raise, though, John, about this one, well, which was well, one area... Be, be, sorry, be, before we get onto the race, when you're talking about people making us feel welcome, when we say people making us feel welcome, we don't just mean the fact that we are in the heady position of being pressed, do we? Because... Nope. It's midnight 30 when we came in on whenever it was, Friday morning, I suppose, Australian time. Um, in fact, actually, when we went out on Thursday night and told the guys we needed to come back on Thursday morning, they said, yeah, let's just check to make sure that there's not any alarms going to be tripped, that there's going to be a gate open for you. I'll get on the radio. I'll speak to the supervisor. So everybody's expecting you and there's no issues. And we came back. And they were all ready for us. There was a smile. There was a, oh, hi, guys, you couldn't do your thing. Yeah, just park wherever you need to. It's not a problem tonight. Um, we know you're going home at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was no issue whatsoever from start to finish. And you know, I, I understand why it has to happen, but there are places that you go to in the world where you've got to show your pass six times before you've got out the bleeding car park, it seems. Uh, and, and these guys were just so helpful at every point whether it was the cleaners the security guys the staff who were manning the press room who by the way were excellent krilzy and his team and also the team at bathurst where else in the in the world do you get a press room where at the end of the race they bring around beer and pizza uh yeah there is that i no, you're right john uh, i mean the the staff as a whole whether or not it was the staff on the gates, the staff actually manning the pit lane and uh, around the paddock, the, the guys at the museum, which, by the way, is owned by the local council as well. Yeah, and if you do find yourselves within anything like half a day's drive there, please go and see it because it is extraordinary. Um, it, it just was a feel-good event. And what a pleasure that is to say in the modern era because there's so very many that really aren't. The, the closest I think I've come to in recent years of an international event with that kind of level of feeling that everybody was putting together is the welcome we get for the WEC at Fuji. Yes, um, good and, and that that felt pretty similar to me in terms of the pride that people clearly took in their job, the fact that they were very relaxed uh, in front of the public, that the, the, you know, the job was done. If, if they had a, 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 a gate to guard and you didn't have the right pass, you weren't going through it. That's fine. Um, but uh, whether or not you were there in a great big purple Bentley, I should say, um, and <laughs> which is fine, you know, absolutely fine, but perfectly polite, perfectly helpful as to what your alternatives were. And I think, um, you know, Gary Rush, your guys, did you proud. Yes, uh, Gary Rush so is the mayor, by the way. He is indeed. And by um, the way, it's at uh, his his uh, email address is mayor at bathurstcouncil.com au.com or something like that it's brilliant and now i know you want to say something about the race uh dot com dot au i think yeah um, uh, be- before that let's have a couple of uh, uh, 
bits and pieces from the fans. Uh, Isadora says, the amount of safety car drove me up the wall. I gave up watching by half past four in the morning. What was the longest green? An hour. I think it was an hour and five minutes. Uh, Isadora, yes, you're absolutely right. James Foster, I think too many inve- intervention tracks has to have to use the track. Even slow zones would be an issue. We'll pick these, these points up, I think, in... Uh, post-race tech after this show at 10 o'clock tonight. But Dion von Molke says, couldn't agree more uh, on what Specutainment and DSE editor are saying. On uh, tracks making it feel, everyone feel welcome. Make fans welcome. Great racing, perfect event. Drivers as well, Dion. You know what it's like when you're trying to get somewhere um, and you're trying to do something, um, you you know, trying to get your work done and it's, it's difficult. You can be official without being officious. Oh, can't you? Absolutely right. Um, and I and I think that's and and just doing stuff with a with a the the the, the general smile on your face and the hang on, mate, I'll find out for you. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'll find out for you. Have you got the? Oh yes, you have. Um, yes, I, I, you have got the the right pass. That's fine. Lovely. Um, you know, just let's just uh, check me out. Uh, check out your pass on the. Um, on the, st- on the stickers on the windscreen, etc., etc. You know, great. Not an issue at all with any of that, ever, at all. Right, there, there was... Unfortunately, there was a little bit of a sour taste at the end of the race, Graham, um, yeah. on, a, on a couple of notes. Um, and again, some of this we can pick up in uh, PRT. But Stefan Mucker, I'm afraid, didn't cover himself in glory during the race. He'll say he was being doing his job and trying to get through the field although I do note that there's been a, a tweet that is somewhat apologetic uh, in uh, in the, the time after the end of the race and, and when we landed back in Blighty well okay uh, and if that's the case I've not seen it but uh, that, that I'm sure would be appreciated by those concerned but the reality was that Stefan Mucker stood on a podium and Matt Bell didn't mm. and uh, look, Matt uh, had his own issue little early in the race uh, and was penalised for it. But um, the one criticism, it is the one criticism I will level at the way that race was run, is there is no right way. There is no way that Stefan Mucker should have stood on that podium at the end of the race. Uh, there were two. And you contact- think it was that bad, do you? I absolutely do. There were two contact incidents, uh, one of which uh, puts uh, David Brabham into the wall. And the second one, which, of course, was the final corner of the final lap, uh, which I have now seen both on stills and on video. Yeah, me too. And I'm terribly sorry, uh, but if Matt Bell wasn't where he was on the track, Stefan Mucker would have ended up in the wall. And that's not acceptable. These, This is not banger racing. This is GT racing. Um, you know, this is not a kind of fanboy opinion about what Matt did or didn't do. Uh, the fact that I think he, he drove, uh, I think, a perfectly fantastic race frankly i think he'd have finished third because uh, if you actually look at that incident in isolation lauren vanter's move on matt around the outside was extraordinary uh, but that's been slightly forgotten and lost because uh, i'm afraid uh stefan and i'm sorry stefan if you're listening uh, but i make no apology for this you bounced your car off the boy and you took his place that's it um it should have been penalized i'm disappointed he wasn't and i know just how angry uh, the Bentley guys were. Um, you know, that said, by the way, I thought uh, on the Aston Martin's part, uh, with the exception of a bit of a um, a snafu from Alex McDowell, I thought Alex drove very well. I thought Daryl Young drove extraordinarily well. Agreed. Probably the probably the best drive I've seen Daryl uh, have in a GT car. Uh, Matt Bell, 
Uh, for Bentley, let's not forget, this was a one-off for Matt. This wasn't him proving himself to see whether or not there's other drives available for him. This was a one-off. Uh, he was ill, not for, by something of his own making. He made a mistake. He served his penalty. And I thought his defence of his position, much mm. as he was given a black flag, a warning flag for that, which I found pretty extraordinary for the leader of the race. Um, it was given a, a, a warning flag for defence. I thought well, he put up a fantastic defence against Laurent Venture. Let's not forget one of, if not the, current best GT3 driver in the world. And the fastest man ever over the top of the, uh, around, around Mount Panorama. Uh, there was a lot of Twitterage going on after the race of a positive nature. Uh, Bentley, perhaps not so much so. They were a little aggrieved. Um, however, Laurent Vantour in particular was very quick to say that he felt Matt was being entirely fair when he was defending his position. And uh, Bentley had said something like, you know, we've defended as hard as we could. And uh, Vantour said, um, tweeted the effect to say, no, it was all fair. He defended really well. Um, and I really enjoyed racing him. So, uh, you know, there was no hard feelings there, Graham, uh, between between those two uh, those two competitors. Uh, Mucker had had a bit of a coming together with David Brabham as well. Uh, if, if I'm honest, there was a couple of stewarding decisions that I thought were a bit odd. Don't forget Matt was called himself uh, when he went down the inside of a car going into the, the Audi. before the chase, the blue and white Audi, yeah. Uh, and actually had his nose ahead, the Audi turned into him and speared off onto the oh, gravel. No, sorry, that was that was John Bauer, wasn't it? That was John Bauer. Excuse me, yes, it was. Uh, um, wasn't Matt, Matt was the issue with the Fog Crow uh, Mercedes, I think. Correct. There was a couple of times when Bentleys were called for penalties that left me shaking my head. But either of those two made me think that Mucker's hopeful dive up the inside at the cutting on David Brabham. Now, I'll accept there was a gap up the inside, but that's the line there. And if you're going to get in there, you've got to be side-by-side side going in. You can't stick yourself in there at the last moment. Um, I said at the time of John Bowe's uh, incident with the blue and white Audi at the entrance to the chase, because that was such a big incident and... I wonder if that had been called if it, if the Audi had stayed on track. And yet, Mucker wasn't called when Brabs was put into the wall quite severely. I thought there was a bit of inconsistency um, from the calling. Now, listen, it's the hardest job in the world. I'm not going to sit and nitpick for every single decision that was made, Graham. But I can understand, let me, say, let me put it this way, I can understand why Bentley might be aggrieved that Stefan Mucker might have had a yellow card and a stop-go penalty for the Brabham thing, which would have dropped him out of contention for later on when he nerfed them out the way to get on the podium. So it's kind of a double whammy there. And I know it wasn't one of the, the Bentley uh, team cars. The um, plus points from me, the race, the... Um, uh, the performance of the young guns in Erebus and I know Marshall's going to talk to Betty Clemenko about that and just the general atmosphere I loved we'll, we'll do more detail in, in, in PRT 
uh, after the show tonight. It's uh, hashtag B12HRPRT at Radio Le Mans. Uh, get this already. I can see them dropping onto the Twitter feed uh, already. Also, we're looking for your Spirit of the Race Award. And we never announced this at the time, but people were still voting at the end of the race. Uh, there's a number of worthy candidates. I think Matt Bell's been mentioned uh, tonight uh, already. I certainly think that uh, some of the guys further down the team, the, the field, uh, were worth looking at as well, who put in long nights and uh, difficult days. Nissan themselves obviously won the race, but uh, that car was in the wall, don't forget, on Saturday and had to be rebuilt. Uh, so a number of ideas for your I respect uh, spirit of the race hashtag S O T R. But uh, all of all uh, uh, all good stuff I think from the weekend and uh, thank you for your positive comments. We've got Graham Goodwin with us at DailySportsCar.com. Uh, it's quarter to nine. It's midweek motorsport uh, series ten episode eight and uh, Tim is going to give us a bit more sports car news. Well, if you think it's quarter to nine, you're still three minutes behind, because it's 12 minutes to nine. Oh, excuse me, yes. Uh, are you aware of the Académie Française? Go on. It's that organisation. Graham, are you aware uh, of... Acad- Académie Française is not a phrase that re- uh, springs immediately to mind. Is it what used the, to be the, the Elf... Thing. Yeah, the Elf Filière or something no, like that. No, it's nothing to do with motorsport. All it's right, the okay. organisation which exists to protect the French language from foreign influences. Like Le Weekend and it's, Le Sandwich. It's the, the reason dog. why we use phrases like Le Courrier Electronique instead of Le Email. Ah, and Ordinateur rather than Le Computer. Yes, and other um, silly things like that. Le Lecteur MP3. Right, OK. Um I'm going to give you the names of some uh, French TV shows mm-hmm. uh, which have been subject to uh, this sort of treatment. Mm-hmm. La France a un incroyable talent. Right, an incredible talent. What's what's the uh, equivalent of that, not in French? Britain's got talent. Britain's got talent, well done, Graham. How oh, about... Sorry. Yes, sorry. I see what you mean, yes. Yeah. How about Danse avec les stars? <laughs> Dancing with the stars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Surely that should be étoile. <laughs> not that sort of star. Uh, je suis une celebrité, sortez-moi de là. Uh, I, I, I am a celebrity, get me out of here. I like that. That actually sounds like something I might watch. <laughs> I think it's great in German. Ich bin ein Star, um, holt mich raus. Right, okay. Uh, so, it uh, surprised me that uh, no one has complained about the new French reality TV show, uh, which is called Race to 24. Mm. What? Well, so, not in fact... Uh... Race à 24, No. Well, it would, uh, what's uh, race is? Um, oh my God, it's gone right in my head. Va- it should be Van Catra anyway. Something of Van Catra, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, race is. Um, God, I am tired. Essay is uh, practice and qualifying, and the race is uh, La Course. La Course, of course. La Course are uh, uh, 24, uh, Van Catra, surely. Sorry, guys, I am very, I'm much tighter than I realised. Um, okay, so why is it not called that, then? 
who knows? And what, and what is it? It's, there are Soissons pilotes, aren't there, who are uh, competing pour un place uh, in the uh, race 224. And Sam Brabham is uh, is one of Eels, isn't he? Uh, yes. Uh, along with Key. Uh, avec uh, Armando <laughs> Parante. Yes. Uh, Connor Daly. Yep. Dino Zamparelli. Yep. Esteban Guerrieri. Uh, right. Jules Gounon, son of. All right, yep. Uh, Max Snegereff. Right. Melville McKee. Yep. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Summerton. And. Uh, and many, many more. And for what are they competing? They get to race at the Mon. Avec. Uh, avec. Uh, avec Kelly le Mon Team Sard Morgan LMP. Ah, right, yeah. there you go. Right, excellent. How lovely. Yes. Uh, 17 countries uh, are included on the uh, range of drivers. Oh, I uh, thought there was only 16 drivers. Oh, no, no, no. 24 drivers. Oh, tw- of course there are. Yes, of course. So there's a fair number of uh, the, the names amongst them. Uh, d- did you mention Dino Zamparelli? Yes, he did. I did, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, is, Laura Cry- is Laura Cryhammer uh, Dominic's sister? Yes. Yes, she's one of and three Christopher- females. Christopher Harzer is in there? I is suspect he? he's a relation, yes. Oh, no, I think he's Christopher Harzer. <laughs> no, he is Christopher Harzer, yes. Uh, Marvin <laughs> Dean. Who I travelled back with. Uh, Mitchell Gilbert. Uh, Stefan Radzinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicky Piria. Another of the females. So, and the, 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 difference, the difference here, guys, is, isn't it, that these guys, uh, you know, can be up to and including gold-rated drivers. Yeah. Yes, and Esteban is, uh, and Gary uh, Guerrieri is Esteban's brother, isn't he? Esteban Guerrieri is the one who's in this. Uh, sorry, right, okay, carry on. Um, so uh, we have uh, 17 drivers, as I said. Uh, starts on March 26th, 12 episodes. So what have they got to do, Tim? Well, it's a reality TV show, they've got to impress the judges. What, so they've got to eat bugs and sleep in the same house. And sing. And sing and model clothes all yes, at the same time. that's right. Yeah, excellent. I think that's perfect. Now, you see, if they did that, I would watch that. If it was all the reality TV shows to get... Oh, and have they got to cook as well for judges and other chefs? Cakes, yeah. Cakes, yes. <laughs> cook bread and cakes for other chefs whilst wearing f- fashionable clothes in the jungle... Uh, cupcakes and uh, made out of uh, uh, bugs. Yeah. Whilst wearing fashionable items, and uh, uh, all in the same house, uh, while being on Tyneside, obviously. D24. So just looking here. Just looking here. I mean, um, they're going to be they're going to be filming this at Yas Marina, at Fuji, at Portimao, at Paul Ricard in Monaco, before we get to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. You haven't asked me who the judges are. Who are the judges, Tim? Well, obviously, Benoit Morand. From uh, Morand Sarge Racing? Yes. Seems uh, reasonable, since he's got to put somebody in his car. <laughs> it's his car. He he gets to choose. Uh, Christine Clean. Christine Clean? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought you said Christine Clean there. I was going to no, say, not Christine. Right? All right, no. carry on. Uh, and uh, that's it. Just the two of them? So far. Right. Uh, and I'm, it's going to we, run for three years. 
Um, oh, please, God, no. Oh, sorry. I see what you mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Matt Fernandez says, at the moment, j'écoute le motorsport de milieu de semaine, très amusant, um, as he was already laughing at the... Um, at our terrible French and the idea that we should uh, be seeing anything so uh, not Le Midweek Motorsport as of course it is known across all of France uh, as and Belgium and Belgium uh, okay all good and uh... do we think it's a good idea uh, I think it's a good idea as long as it's done um, with the racing in mind and not making people look like monkeys on strings. Does Le Mans need this sort of publicity? No. Uh, no. Um, no, it doesn't. Uh, I'm gonna be, let me think again. No, it doesn't. No, no it doesn't. No, no, uh, but, no. but I can well understand why... I take it this is only in France, though, or are we going to see an English-language version of it for the rest of the world? I suspect that, uh, given the name, it's going to be English-language wherever it's uh, shown. Or... Uh, it is available online. Or... or... The horrendous English language version that anything that is done by French television is normally done by people who speak English who, for whom English is not their first language. And they have a massive issue with how to speak it, particularly when trying to speak an idiom. And so it's, it will metaphors, be like... Metaphors, I love metaphors. Yes, metaphors uh, are very funny. It, it will be, allo allo, with Wales, won't it? Oh, if only I'd known you were going to mention that. You should have had the music, man. I should have had the music. Really should have done. Nick Holland says a series of midweek motorsport podcasts in French would be brilliant education, brilliantly educational, running up to the one. <laughs> Bonsoir. Ici le motorsport de milieu de semaine. Oui. Episode 10. No, series 10. Episode 6. Yeah, I've just got this this overwhelming kind of vision of a kind of uh, Gallic Rob Barth, Robert Barth maybe. Listen very carefully. I will say this only <laughs> once. <laughs> All right, I think we can lose that now. Matt's laughing again. I'm sure Matt Fernandez, our French correspondent. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, good luck to all of them, um, especially Sam Brabham because he's played on my cricket team, and I'm allowed to be. Uh, I'm allowed to be biased towards him. You are. And uh, Julie Sturrock says, sadly, the only French I do is wine. Oh, sorry. Say what you mean. I was just... Yes. I was just a... So I went down that one as well. Uh, let's move on. You're listening to Midweek Morning Sport. It is uh, Series 10, Episode 6. It's the 11th of February. It's just after five minutes to nine. And we've got... Uh, uh, Nick Damon coming up after nine o'clock. Do, do we have time for a bit of Marshall Pro in the second hour as well? Uh, we will, yes. Uh, and we'll get Graham back. Graham, are you all right to come back at ten for uh, yeah, sure post wrist yeah. tech, and you can go back and have family time in the in the meanwhile? Yeah, absolutely. No problems. I will see you guys back at ten. Okay. Um, and uh, time for a quick uh, news item before we go to the uh, middle part, the middle break. Uh, well, uh, still to come. let's do this then. Stop, whoa, yes, wait a minute, just the postman. Wait, wait, just the postman. There's been a communication. It's 
a very nice music edit, that. I do like that. That's very well done. Have you had a letter? Yes. Wow. Come uh, on. Une lettre. <laughs> Don't. We've upset the French enough tonight. Come on. Moving on. Just trying to find it now. Uh, this is from uh, Guy Moulton. Mm-hmm. It says, Dear Radio Le Mans, my wife and I are going to camp and spend three days basking in the glory of loud race cars during the Sebring 12 hours. Is there any way to meet the Radio Le Mans team? I can provide five guys burgers and fries if a bribe is needed. Ooh, five guys. No, 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 can't have that. They're not in and out, but they're not They're not bad. They're very bad. They'd kill me. Really? They cook everything in peanut oil. Ah, oh, that's all right. You won't be there. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Uh, uh, where are you going to be? That's the big question. Um, we're not sure who's going to be at Sebring yet. Um, we're still you trying are. to sort that out at the moment. Well, yeah, yes, I will be. Um, and obviously, Jeremy Shaw, Greg, and uh, Jeremy are there as um, our IMSA radio regulars. We're just trying to work out who the extra uh, team members might be for that one. But, you know, a bribe with a good... It's no good trying to bribe Shea with a burger because she doesn't eat any meat. Um, so... You can tell. That's why she's always cold. She has no body fat whatsoever. And... Was she uh, complaining she was cold at Bathurst? Yes, Ooh, always. Poor girl. She, she always complains she's cold. Um, okay, so uh, we need more details of... Uh, sorry, what was the name of the gentleman concerned? Guy. Hello, Guy. Um, or if he's French, Guy. Guy. Uh, we need to know where you are uh, in Le Camping. And uh, and possibly that is possible that we might come and say hello uh, at Sebring. It is a bit hectic at Sebring, but not as bad as some other races uh, we go to. Uh, it's quickly approaching 9 o'clock. Are yes. you listening to RadioLeMond.com? It's Midweek Motorsport, Series 10, Episode 6. Midweek Motorsport. There's still another hour of this nonsense. <laughs> That's good. I've heard that one before. And still to come in hour two, uh, we'll have more from uh, Graham Goodwin uh, after 10 o'clock tonight, actually, when we have uh, post race tech from uh, Bathurst. A little bit delayed, uh, but of course, we were ahead of time when we were down there. Uh, we'll be talking to Marshall Pruitt about some excellent news that is. German and American uh, and also uh, we'll be talking Formula 1 and the rest of the week's news with Nick Damon plus your tweets at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mans all to come in the second hour tonight Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMans.com as we hurtle headlong into the second hour then, at just after uh, nine o'clock, I think we can say hello to our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Well, first of all, uh, I need to say, John, can you hear me when I do this? Can you hear me now? No, you disappear completely when you do that. Excellent. That's good, uh, because it means I can do that. And then you can talk to Nick. Hello, Nick. How are you? I can't hear John. Oh, he can't hear me. Oh, he still but can't I can. hear you. Inter- I can hear myself. I can hear you, too. You can hear yourself. So when I said, do I disappear when you do that, you were lying. How about now? No, no. 
Ah, yes. What? No. I can. I can't hear myself now, but can Nick? That's the more important. I point. can hear you. Yes, John. Why don't you just talk to Nick and let him talk? Oh, sorry, to you can't hear Nick, can you, John? That's the point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can now hear everyone, but not. But John can't hear me. That's right. But everyone can hear everyone now, except me not hearing Nick still. Nick, can you hear me now? Ah, how was Jimmy's birthday? It was fantastic. 17, it's frightening. Six foot three, three inches of afro, white afro hair. And where do you go for a 17-year-old's birthday party? Well, birthday tea, obviously Nando's. What, you didn't take him to the fantastic strip club in Nottingham where we went for your stag night? No, no. Where they weren't allowed to take their clothes off? Well, I suppose that's fine, actually, yeah. No, it's a long story. Yeah, 18, you need to be officially for that. No, it's a long story, but it was the the rules in um, Nottingham are that strip clubs, they aren't allowed to take their clothes off. And you can go upstairs and pay extra for them still to take their clothes off. This was was Matt's idea to choose Nottingham, was it? It was kind of a a combo. He did extensive research on the best gentlemen's clubs in Nottingham. Well, the man will be very pleased to hear that uh, that, uh, he has no experience. It was a search of much amusement. Um, However, I I had pneumonia at the time, so I had to retire to my room uh, and didn't get to see the... Literally, you missed nothing. (laughs) Yeah. No, that was that was good fun. That you had was an excuse, fun. at least, for not seeing anything. No, indeed. Uh, it's uh, the second hour of midweek motorsport. Uh, it is after the uh, nine o'clock watershed, so we can talk about that. Series ten, episode six, uh, and Nick Damon is with us. Good evening, Nick. Now you are a Formula One correspondent. Yes. But we're going to talk motorbikes first, I think. Yes. Tonight. Amazing. I take it. We're are we playing about... the jingle? Yes, we're, we're play playing the jingle. The jingle. Here play we go. The And uh, regular listeners will know, of course, that this is Down Our Street or Publicum. It doesn't mean Down Our Street. It means people of the valley. You keep getting that wrong. <laughs> well, I think it's important. I think, you know, I'm sure you've covered a lot of important news. We have our first geography news of the of the day, I would think, in yes. that Wales has moved 60 miles down the M1. Yes, Wales was, a, was going to be on the borders of uh, Leicestershire, Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire yeah. mm-hmm. uh, at Donington and now it's on the borders of two other counties Straddling Buckinghamshire and Northamptonshire now it, Yes, it it's just... amazing, the continental drift is moving faster <laughs> than I thought Well, see, I thought the uh, the earth was moving around at like one centimetre a decade but apparently it's doing 60 miles in 24 hours mm, Marvellous stuff and this is because, why? Well, it's very, very interesting um, there was a press release uh, yesterday uh, issued by the fantastic Chris Tate from Doyington, um, saying that they hadn't been able to come to a fully structured agreement with the Circuit of Wales, who of course have signed up the uh, rights to the British MotoGP race for the next three years, despite not having a track, but never mind about that. But they, So they said, right, we'll get Doyington to host it for us. That was a few months ago. And then yesterday, Doyington said, we've not been able to have a conference. We couldn't come to an agreement, so we're not doing it. Then, interestingly, they then had to ha- publish two paragraphs of, no, we're not going bust, no, it's not a problem, no, it's not us. So obviously they're cutting off all the naysayers um, at the post before they could do it. And then today, 
in ridiculous haste, we find that Silverstone will be hosting the MotoGP race, which, of course, it has done for the past few years anyway, under its own auspices, again, on behalf of the Circuit of Wales. And you can't help thinking that the inability of Donington to talk to the Circuit of Wales is because the new owner, the new managing director of Silverstone, turned around and probably offered them a better deal. Well, let's uh, let's hear what it's the managing director of, of Silverstone uh, had to say uh, about this earlier today. The blast is so severe that it can kill and can destroy buildings for up to five miles from the explosion. Fallout is dust that is sucked up from the ground by the explosion. Yes, that's uh, Patrick Allen, the, uh, I, the I, CEO I feel of Silverstone. Having seen the wing being built, it wouldn't take much more than a firecracker going off, you ask me, to push that down, but never mind. He's not the only party involved here, because uh, we need to hear also from the uh, chief executive of the Circuit of Wales. Who is Michael Carrick? To, to control the situation. First thing I need to do is read the situation, assess the danger, where the danger is, um, and find the best way of dealing with that. I know I've got my teammate on my right-hand side here, playing against three of the balls in the middle. So I need to find a way to cut off the angle to take one of their players out of the game. And uh, that's Michael Carrick, who is the chief executive of the Circuit of Wales there. Formerly of West Ham United. Mm. <laughs> and born in Wall's End, apparently. Or Char- Wall's Char- End, as it's called. Charlton Newcastle fan. Yes, well, you could, I'm not even going to say anything. He's, he's done well to be running a motor racing circuit now, hasn't he? It yes. doesn't exist, though. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Neither does Wall's End, I think. But uh, the the interesting thing is the agreement they had with Donington Park mm-hmm. uh, was uh, for hosting the 2015 round. Correct. Um, Only. Yes. Whereas because they had said they were going to have the circuit by 2016. Didn't the they? announcement for uh, Silverstone says we're delighted to announce we've reached agreement with Silverstone to host the 2015 and 2016 British rounds of MotoGP. Very mm. well observed, Tim. Uh, another. Uh, not my surprised face uh, <laughs> confession. Do we from... think that uh, Donington were reluctant to hold it both years, and that might have been why uh, negotiations broke be down? The case, no. they've been they've been usurped by they Silverstone. have, haven't they? This, we I think knew... the word you're looking for is gazumped, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. And yeah. for our non-UK listeners, gazumping is a word you can that... look up on the internet. <laughs> that something that used to happen um, in the housing boom, which is a memory of dim distant variety now. Um, if you were trying to buy a house, you would know it is not a dim and distant memory. Oh, is it still the same? Oh, yes. I thought that was all gone now. Oh, no, 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 no. And have, it, you been, it, have you been gazumped, Tim? No. Have you gazumped? Nearly. It involves, when you put a, an, a, an offer in for a house and have it accepted... The slimy guys who are trying to sell it decide that having had you down the road and led you literally up that garden path to the house of your dreams, they decide that someone else who comes in and offers a few grand more is going to get the gig, or in this case, the house, or in this case, the motor GP. Mm. Uh, do but of course, that's, that's what's happened opposite, then? Well, yeah, that's why it's not held at Knockhill, of course, because there's a completely different property law there. You can't get some things. No, that's right. Once you've made and accepted an offer, it is binding on both parties. That's right. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Silverstone well Silver has their new broom, and he's obviously looked at what he can do. I mean, this, this has obviously been in, in the uh, the offing for some time, because they've even managed to sort out the date clash with the Renault World Series, and that's moved itself very quickly. So this has been uh, a ongoing, probably for at least, this has been in the works for at least a month, 
um, surprisingly kind of uh, uh, linking with Mr. Protect and Survive's arrival. Um, so, you know, still sort of being a bit gazumpier. Yeah, and uh, when we uh, first broke the story, Nick, of uh, Donington hosting the Circuit of Wales round of MotoGP, uh, we commented that it had come very quickly and that Silverstone were unhappy that they hadn't had the opportunity to talk to Circuit of Wales and put in uh, an offer of their own. Well, yes, there we are. Well, that's because mm. they, 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 never, they didn't have a management at that point to put in an offer. No, mm. now they no, do. That's a good point. So. Mm. That's a good point. And, uh, and what did Patrick Allen say about people who might be coming to the Motor GP uh, at Silverstone? Let's have a listen to this. Food, mostly in tins. <laughs> Bring food, yes. Portable radio and spare batteries. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And anything else, Patrick? Tin opener, bottle opener. Anything else? Some cutlery and crockery. And that's all for MotoGP. Is that all, or is there anything else? Warm clothing. Ah, very good. Very good. And now here is a list of some things which will make living in your fallout room much more comfortable. Excellent. Good stuff. Well done. Yes, all good. All good. Uh, That's... I presume um, that's what they're going to call, instead of it being called the Paddock Club now, it's going to be called the Fallout Room uh, at Silverstone, <laughs> which I think is, uh, is much much more catchy, isn't it? Um, well, we've, been, we've been present at plenty of Fallout, Silverstone. Hey, and when when is Moto Gip help uh, happening there? August the 6th, yeah. All right, so there's half a chance it might be decent weather then. And when is uh, World Series by Renault series by Renault? In oh, September, Renault. first week of September. Yes. Mm. That's their free day as well. That's the day where people actually turn up at Silverson. Is it still free these days? Yes, it is their free day. It's that's the that. Well, that's when I I read they had had to rearrange their free day yeah. or weekend. So, are we seeing, as uh, Autosport Vandal has just said, that the Donington bid for the MotoGP through the Circuit of Worlds has been <coughs> nuked by Silverstone? <laughs> it does look that oh, way. Good, I like that. Oh, that's very good. Um, there's bound to be some fallout from that uh, yes, and later on. Well, this news is radiating out at the moment. Yeah, very good. Uh, so uh, that's more, actually whilst we're talking very quickly, whilst we're talking about uh, two wheels, I had the opportunity on the plane on the way back to watch uh, quite a lot of motor racing, motor uh, bike related content, mm-hmm. and you know that one of my favourites. Um, movies motorsport documentaries was um tt close to the edge yes um and also the the isle of man the isle of man stuff that Greenlight have done dave benyon and that they have also contributed to a phenomenal phenomenal documentary film documentary narrated by liam neeson who isn't doing his you will be taken type <laughs> gravelly voice he's just being very sensible and it's called road and it's about the Dunlop family and road racing mm. in Ireland and on the Isle of Man. And it is phenomenal. It's, it goes back as far as 2012, but as far as I can find, um, it looks like it only got a release relatively recently, maybe 2014 um, or even 2015. I think it was get 20, a chance to... for early 2014, so I seem to remember we talked about it on this show and, uh... Uh, and played, the, uh, played the music. Uh, it is well I've had a chance to watch it now and it is outstanding Liam Neeson being terribly understated uh, a word I wouldn't normally um, associate with uh, Liam's acting talent but it is his voice if you saw him in that Super Bowl advert <laughs> I was seeing that as well was he well, if I quite like that the, in any of the Taken um, ones um, 
Anyway, uh, and the other two was the the two unridables uh, as well about the 500 big bangers, mm. um, both green lights as well. Very very good indeed. Uh, moving on uh, to some bike I, news. To Yay. some more bike because news because they've been doing some testing this week. Have they? Last week wasn't it? Was it last week? We didn't talk about so. it last week. No, it was the end of last week and over the weekend. This ah, is now the popular thing down in so Malaysia. Since, since we were last talking about yes. things on this programme, uh, they've done three days of testing in Sepang. I uh, know, and, the, the, and the fastest were the Hondas. So Mark Marquez and Danny Petrosa were the fastest. I think after that, over the, the days, it was Valentino Rossi and then uh, Jorge Lorenzo. Um, the Suzuki's were a bit off the pace. The Prius, from the times I saw, I didn't see the last day's times, were way off the pace. Um, so a lot of work to be done by the um, boys from uh, Yamaha. Yeah, the, uh, the best Suzuki was 10th, best Yamaha was 4th, which is Rossi. Um, so he was 3rd then? Sorry, I, I didn't that know that. That was Andrea Iannone in the Ducati, and uh, Andrea De Vizioso, his teammate, was 7th. Yeah, I mean the thing about the Ducatis is is that, that this is, don't believe this is their their finite 2015 bike, and of course they've always been absolutely fine on a soft tire for a couple of laps. Hence the reason they've they've managed to lead quite a few races for three or four laps, but they just don't they just don't manage the tires properly. And they really go off during the race. Uh, the three Apriors were 21st, 27th, and 28th. Yes, that's not good. And probably the one in 28th is the better of the three riders. That being Melandri. Well, I know I've asked this he before. Melandri, Melandri doesn't want to be doing it. That's the biggest problem. Mm. Yes, well, that is true. What uh, I know I've asked this before, Nick, but when is the first MotoGP race? When it's do I start getting excited? Qatar, and I don't know the date, but normally it's the week after the Grand Prix, so it's normally the last weekend of the... I think we've got, we got back-to-back. I think you go Australia, Malaysia. I think it's in the week after. My guess is it's the last weekend of Archer when you're over in uh, the prologue. Uh, okay. It's my guess. Patrick Pallotti's just tweeted. Uh, I don't have tweeted. to guess, of course, because I've got the date. Go on, then. When uh, is it? It is the weekend of the 28th and 29th Yes! Go of my March. brain! <laughs> uh, when Pallone, you're in France. Patrick Pallotti uh, has just tweeted. Uh, the Ford has rung downstairs. The other end... It was Dish Network. Completely serious. Of course it was. It's Wednesday. <laughs> Hello, Richard Creel. Uh, he is, and rather annoyingly, at, at Phillip Island at the moment. For World uh, Bike? He's uh, early. That's starting soon, isn't it? No, he's he's there for... Testing, there's a race day there this weekend. Um, now, what time is it over there? It's still very early. It's very early. I wonder if we can Skype uh, Rich if he's listening. I might it's be able to get 20 him past in. 8 in the morning. Rich, I know you're listening. If you're available um, in about uh, 42 45 minutes. minutes' time, yeah, uh, we'll we'll Skype you and we can have a bit of a, a chat with you for our post-race tech, our very late post-race tech uh, from there. So just uh, send us a tweet uh, or send me a message on Skype um, and we'll, we'll try and get you on. That's uh, it. Sorry, it's only two weeks. It's only the week after next that it's the Phillip Island World Superbike opener. Yes, but he's working this weekend. Oh, right, sorry. Doing it's Wednesday. Well, it's Thursday for him, but still. Yes, there you go. Uh, and and... Sorry. Go on. So, so a bit about bike news on World Superbikes, uh, which is about to kick off. It's always the first of the major championships to get rolling. Uh, they've managed to hemorrhage a round as well. And oh, of okay. the two, co- there's three countries where rounds get cancelled. 
Um, Brazil, Brazil, we've already lost a round from IndyCar. Mexico, who actually are adding a round this year in F1. But, of course, the round has been cancelled from Russia. Of course it has. But that's that's normally one of the makeup rounds, isn't it? Oh, uh, well, it's uh, it's been cancelled, so they've lost that round. So they're down to, uh, I think they've still got a, a provisional as well at the back end of the season, but they are they're, 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 they are down around the World Superbikes. De- Declan has just told me that uh, Road has no distribution deal in the US, um, not even on internet streaming. Didn't have a massive distribution in uh, Europe either. Which is a shame, because it, it you... literally made me want to get back on my bike. Did you see that they, they actually... the, the uh... Robert Dun- uh, Joe Dunlop was named uh, Northern Ireland's greatest ever sports person. I didn't see general that. General vote. No. So, what, ahead of George, ahead of George Best. Ahead of George Best. Ahead of Barry McGuigan. But Northern Ireland does have a really odd proportional representation system. Well, no, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> very good. No, it's true. It's interesting that the that the, the bike races are in the public consciousness enough to be to be at the front level like that. They're, they're on national television, though, Nick. Mm. BBC oh, Northern was Ireland. On, uh, Breakfast TV this morning. Well, we're talking about Guy Martin retiring. Even though he's not. I wasn't listening. Oh, let's hope he is. Oh, let's hope he is, yes. Well, Guy um, Martin, I think he's yeah. great. You're in a let's minority on, of then. one there. Okay. You, yeah, yes, you're, you, you're outvoted on this show, I'm afraid. You, you and the Channel 4 commissioning editor, by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey! I watched his... He, he did a show, uh, Guy Martin Goes to India. Now, I'm sure it's available on various catch-up and streaming services. I recommend you watch. It's a very, very good both travel log and uh, bike engineering programme. Uh, Andrew Mungerich has tweeted at Speaking of Tabor, said both road and closer to the edge knock the overrated Senna into the proverbial cock. Can't oh, disagree well, with you. Uh, yeah, that's that's an absolute giving the Senna's not a documentary. It's a fan no. film. No, it is. Absolutely. Um, the F1 as well. If you haven't seen F1, I know we've done this before as well, uh, but if you haven't seen um, uh, it's called One, actually, isn't it? It's just called One. And that is narrated by another Michael Fassbender. Man, Michael Fassbender, absolutely. And that is very, very good as well. All made before. Needs to be an hour so, longer, which I never say about films. But that, that, yeah. that genuinely did need to be at least half that to an hour longer. I thought it was so good. All hail the Krill, says the collective. We'll try and get him on in <laughs> our um, in our post-race tech after this. Uh, keep the... Spirit of the Race, the Irish Respect Spirit of the Race Awards coming in for Bathurst 12 Hours. Uh, hashtag SOTR and your questions, please. Uh, questions, observations, points of view or points of interest, whatever. Uh, matters are rising, I suppose, to hashtag B12HRPRT. And they are coming in thick and fast uh, at the moment. Uh, what do you have for Nick next, Tim? Well, 75 minutes later than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Formula One news. Yay! Uh, so, hello to our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Hello, hello there, Nick. <laughs> uh, Giancarlo Minardi. Yes. Uh, has been talking about fairy tales this week. Well, he's basically been saying he thinks it's very, very unfair how Mauricio are being treated and they should be allowed to uh, go to the be... ball like Cinderella. Exactly. With but rather than losing a shoe, they should be allowed to to lose their old nose cone and keep the rest of the car. Right. Who who else mm. uh, thinks that uh, Marussia should be racing in Formula One this year? Which Eddie... Formula One team boss? Team boss. Yes. Oh right, I, I don't. I, I know that Force uh, India. No, they definitely don't think that should be <laughs> no. happening. Uh, someone generous. Let's go for the boss of Ferrari, Claire Williams. Oh, fair enough. That's right. That's a good call. She's an inclusive type of person. You can tell, can't you? 
But I she mean, doesn't think they should be racing enough to give them a car, though, does she? Well, uh, or even them sell them a car. Even sell them a car. Well, oh, no, that, that you don't do that, are you? No. Well, I don't, the year-old technology is interesting, but the other thing is, you know, the, the problem is they've got to find themselves an engine. Personally, I would have thought their number one support would have been Ferrari, because they, 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 surely the prerequisite to them coming back is paying off last year's bill, and Ferrari in, are currently in the uh, the red to the tune of apparently $24 million on ding, that ding, front. Ding, 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 ding. I'm sorry, Tim, you're applying logic to this, and this is Formula One. Uh, I'm sorry, Nick. John, but that was Nick. <laughs> No, that's what I'm saying. Nick is trying... I said, I'm sorry, Nick, you're applying logic to this. You said, I'm sorry, Tim. It doesn't matter. Force Um, India blocked uh, it. Yeah, they got really uh, upset about that. They've they've come out as the bad guys of this because what happened was... There's an argument whether it should even be discussed at last week's meeting uh, or not. But Force India, to, to get it through, it has to have a unanimous vote. And Force India were the first team asked to vote. They voted no. So at that point, the rest of the vote was moot. So no one bothered voting. So it sounds like just Force India blocked them. None of the others even had to, even had to bother voting because mm. it couldn't be unanimous. So suddenly, uh, uh, is it Paul, what's Fernley's surname? I forgot a second. Paul, it's Paul Fernley? Yeah. The yeah the uh, the head of has been, has been absolutely cast as the bad guy and it's all got and then, and then suddenly people are investigating their finances and making out they're about to go bust which is why they want Marussia when really we have no idea the other five teams on the uh, the committee would have actually also voted for not, not, Marussia not to be allowed so um, well, it's, we do uh, now force, know that uh, Williams would have done. Mm. Uh, well, no, did, did she actually say it was okay for them to race in Formula One? Oh, yeah, or? she wants them right. in the Formula and she wants Caterham to come back as well. well. Does that make them look better? Like, I, I don't understand. Or can they sell them technology that they don't get? Yeah, paid? well, what, I suppose... what does uh, Williams make that other teams use? Uh, hybrid systems. Mm. Uh, Back to no, Giancarlo Minardi, he no, said... No, they don't that, make hybrid uh, systems that other people can use because they outlawed the type of system that we use. Oh, you're right, use. yeah, it's Flybrid, yeah. So, Flywheel. Flybrid is a separate separate company, and that is like saying Hoover when you mean vacuum cleaner. Okay. Or Biro when you mean ballpoint pen. Okay. Um, or Courier Electronique when you mean MP3 player. Do, do you... Aren't forcing you in their own little bit of trouble at the moment because their suppliers are are a bit worried about the situation there. They are denying it like heck, which normally means some the submer- Yeah, they are. They are not. They are not. If you look at Force India, they've got they've got a reasonable car. They've got a good engine. Uh, looking at last year, they've got a couple of decent drivers, and um, they've picked up some more finance again from Mexico, mainly because of Esteban Gutierrez losing his race drive appears to be a big benefit to Chico Perez picking up rest of the Mexican money. The issue they have is they are Force India, and therefore their main money was coming from Sahara Force India, which was Vijay Malia and oh, Mr. Sahara. Both of whom are one of whom's in jail. VJ is on the verge of bankruptcy. The the his, his plane firm's gone under. A lot of the other brands are not doing too well. He's so not they having to pay Harry Redknapp's wages now, though, is he? That's good. Yeah, he's, that's wrong one. That's Tony Fernandez. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, so the 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 flow of money from India is. St- is, is cut off by a, a, num- a number of reasons. A, the companies don't have the money, and B, the other half of the company, the man who we support, is in jail. So it's a, a very but, muddy situation for their main but flow can, of cash. Underst- but you can understand, Nick, can't you, that it is actually going to put pressure on um, the 
lesser teams in Formula One now, the teams that are closer to the back of the grid, your Saubers, your Force India, the suppliers who have had their fingers burned by the collapse of Mauricio and Caterham and who have at the moment got not a chance of getting money back, they're not going to be extending credit to people. So if you can't pay up, regardless of whether you're relatively solvent or not, if like many businesses, it's all about cash flow. Mm. Now, you know, there's not been an issue with Sauber and Force India as far as we know in terms of cash flow. But frankly, having worked for a number of racing teams and know people who've worked for even more racing teams and engineering companies in the past in the motorsport area in this great, this grand um, carbon fibre triangle that we live in here in the middle of the UK... Cash flow can be a bit sticky at certain times and everybody does everybody else favours and kind of allows things to slide on the nod that eventually it's going to get paid and of course we've done business with these guys forever and ever. That's changed now. There is a big, big difference in people's attitudes after Marussia and Caterham. They've had enough and it will unfortunately have a knock-on effect, will it not, to people like Force India, like Sauber, like people at the back, possibly even Williams. Well, I think you think about it. I'm pretty certain that there are a great number of suppliers in kind to the independent F1 team. So, uh, you know, whilst more bits are made in-house by Mercedes, um, you're pretty certain that uh, the people who are supplying Marussia, Catrium and Force India and possibly, say, Williams uh, are many and the same people. And they are going to be in a terrible hole at the moment. Let's be honest about this. They are almost certainly owed money by two companies, which they are virtually unlikely to ever see again, and significant monies, I would think, for the size of the companies. And they can't afford to have a third debting company. It's, you know, it's going to be cash and delivery because they, they, they are probably... You know, I am surprised that we've not heard of any supplier companies going under yet. And it may still happen, of course, because whilst the this is still being sorted out, they definitely haven't lost the money. They can carry on talking to their bank manager, going, no, 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 it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. At some point, when it gets written off, they are, there's going to be some, there are going to be more knock-on effects, unfortunately. And they can't extend extended credit to Force India. Not to be Force India didn't need credit, but, you know, it's... it's uh, but it's a much tougher world out there when two teams who effectively were, were absolutely fishing in the same pool of suppliers go under Correct. with little hope of return. That's a massive problem. You know, Ferrari can swallow $24 million. It's not an issue. It, yes, it's an issue to them, but it's an inconvenience. The, the 100000 or the 80000 that that are owed 30 by... 30 grand. 20 yeah. grand. Yeah. You know, it's it's massive amounts of money because these especially the, yeah, these specialist organisations in the carbon fibre triangle can be two blokes or three blokes or four blokes in a single unit who or make one or yeah. two specific parts really, really well. It's artisan. It's artisan engineering. Uh, by the way, just to prove that uh, we're live, as has been pointed out by a number of the uh, collective, uh, the Celtic match, Stephanie Hansen. Uh, has just scored for them. I, it seems we can report that in midweek uh, motorsport. And on Twitter, um, Shay Adam has said, I was only cold in the mornings. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, sorry, I didn't hear. Shay said she was cold in Australia. Yes, in the it, summer. In fairness, she said it was brisk in the mornings. She didn't say it was cold, but she was wearing extra clothing in the morning. She was in uh, fr- uh, Daytona wearing two coats. Oh, yeah, and long johns and a onesie and mm. all sorts. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's she needs coming to go up back to, to Canada. It's, <laughs> uh, it's coming up to half past nine. We've got half an hour left on this tonight, and then we've got uh, Bathurst PRT, which is B12HRPRT. 
if you're submitting questions, points of view, or questions arising, matters arising, if you will, from the uh, from the weekend. Uh, and we're also looking for your uh, uh, votes, please, for the I Respect Spirit of the Race Award. Uh, is uh, is it the Marshals? Uh, is it uh, Rob Bell? Sorry, not Rob Bell, Matt Bell. Uh, is it the guys at the back of the field who just kept putting cars together and sending them back out again? There was a number of those, of course. What about the mobile team, uh, the mobile Porsche team who had some of their guys put in hospital by an errant road accident with a tanker before they even got to the circuit? All uh, potentials for the Irish Spect Spirit of the Race, uh, the Spirit of the Race Award, which we'll announce uh, in Bathurst Post Race Tech at 10 o'clock this evening. Stay on for that if you want, mate. Nick, you can, you know, I know you watched a bit of it. You might have some views on what was going on. And you know you, you know your racetracks. Uh, it's uh, hashtag B12HRPRT, if you would. Uh, what we got next, Tim? A bit of uh, support race news in brief. From? Uh, GP3 driver Alfonso Calis has announced he'll combine that with a season in Formula Renault 3.5. So he's uh, taking his milkshake to that paddock. Mm. Very good. Nobody laughed. Someone on Twitter might have got that. Mm-hmm. Young, oh, it's a joke, is it? It's a Calis yeah. joke, yeah. Oh, uh, you see, I was sitting there, I was singing the song, I was, try- I was trying to work out where it came in on the song in my head, and I realised it was actually the artist. So, mm-hmm. yes, too old and too slow, I'm afraid. That's entirely my fault. <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to uh, WRC. Oh, do, oh great! Uh, because it's the second round of that championship this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is where? It's in Sweden. Ah, excellent! Uh, and Yari Matti Nadvila has uh, said uh, organisers need to make sure that there's a level playing field this uh, week. Surely the whole point about rallying is the playing field should be unlevel. Yes. And rough and bumpy and everything. Uh, and covered in snow. It's a level playing field, it's a circuit race. Mm. More importantly, it's at Silverstone. Uh, he said, I remember in 2011, it snowed on the first morning. I was second on the road behind Sebastian Loeb. I took 14 <laughs> seconds out of him, but I still lost 20 seconds to the fastest time. That's the difference it can make. I hope that if it snows, they send the snowblower through to try... Why have they no. never got... I don't understand why they've never got a handle. I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of World Rally on a number of levels. Um, I do acknowledge the guys are incredibly skillful, but I don't understand why for years we've had this same blooming moaning about the order of cars going through the stages. Why on earth they not just send people from positions 10 to 15 through who don't... Or are of 20 to 25, just send 10 cars through who aren't in the points to clean the stage up for the you proper You mean like people. they're doing downhill skiing? Yeah, exactly. Or bobsleigh. Exactly. Send the people who aren't going to be doing anything, or send, or perhaps have a, I don't know, send the Division 2 people all through first. And don't completely muck about with your Division Premier two. World Championship. We've always got people at the back. You know, just send the people, you know, and, and then, and then you know, send 10 cars through. And then, all right, so there's a slight difference between 10 and 20, but significantly less than 1 and 10. It doesn't seem, I don't understand why. They've it been was struggling tried. with this for so many years. No, it was tried. I remember them trying sending outside of the seat of drivers first. Um, they just crashed and the stages were cancelled. Or they got ridiculously quick times in one stage. It's an inexact science, I think it's fair to say. But they have been moaning about this forever. Oh, everybody moves. So just, all right, accept it. 
and shut up. Well, what the, didn't did, did, look? I'm sorry, I'm awfully out of touch with rallying now. Um, but didn't they do the thing where the top six had their choice to pick where they went in the top ten? They have tried that. They don't do that now. Okay, fine. So they've tried a few different things. Uh, Declan, who's listening in. Hello, Dex. Hope you haven't got quite as much snow as you have had recently. Um, after the mention of Stephanie Hansen, he's berated me for not uh, asking you to tweet in with more racing drivers who are also football soccer players. Um, so, Well, if, our favourite one, of course, is uh, racing in uh, the Tomato Bar Championship. Which is? Uh, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> But well, he played I for Juventus. I thought the tyres one last week was very, very good and made me laugh a lot. And Pirelli Jones, which came in uh, late, oh, was very good. Why did good. we not get that before? I know, but I still like Juan Pablo Montoyo. That still <laughs> is my still is my favourite. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. Um, we're gonna still nil get... nil. Five minutes to go. We're still <laughs> somewhere. Which game um, is that? Uh, the important one. Oh, the Southampton game. Yeah. Uh, We'll be... Have we got time for Marshall Pro tonight? I know he's listening. We have, yes. Excellent. How much more for Nick, then? Uh, Well, I want to talk to you about someone who uh, is going to be making a return to Formula 1. Oh. Oh, go on, then. Maybe. Ah. As a a driver? No. Oh, it's... As a man who draws things. Is it the Adrian Newey room? Yes. Thing? Yeah, the idea is that because Charlie they're going to change... aware. Well, no, he's he's done half a car this year. He's off to go and work with Ben Ainsley to do the um, America's Cup for a couple of years. And the idea is that when the uh, the new regulations come out, which is now looking much more likely to be 2017 than 2016, which makes sense financially, uh, there will need to be... They're going to start giving these cars more power and wider tyres, they're saying about. They're going to need to significantly re-engineer the aerodynamics. Um, so they are obviously uh, see, they say that's going to really excite Adrian to come back and design the cars mm. or yeah. not fills yes. me with excitement straight away well I think it probably fills all the rest of the teams with dread uh, who said really it's all still down to packaging isn't it I think that you know if you look at the, the, the car last year the Red Bull car was the second best car with the third best engine and still won three races. Who said uh, this uh, week that, or in fact yesterday, uh, that uh, he shouldn't expect to be at the top of the mountain on the first day of climbing? Probably uh, Fernando Alonso being kind of um, all kind of mystical and, and Eric Cantona like um, given Honda's it's poor very test. Very close. Not a, race, not a racing driver though, but someone in Formula One. Eric Boulier. No, who speaks like that? Nicky oh. Lauda. No, Ron Dennis. Ron Dennis. Ron yes. Dennis. Uh, we're very much preparing for the climb. It's going to be a challenging climb, but it's a climb that Honda and McLaren have made several times together. Terrific. Now, who do you think is your Sherpa there? Who's, who's Tensing Norgate and who's Sir Edmund Hillary? Do you think in that relationship? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, the, the rumour is that the uh, Tensing Norgate got there first. That they wouldn't say so. Therefore, uh, I suppose that therefore the Sherpa would have to be the man carrying the whole thing, which would be Ron, I suppose. Ah, okay. I don't see Ron as cast in the role of Sherpa. No, Jensen. Sherpa Jensen, mechanic. Sherpa Jensen. Now you see, we've got into a whole other thing now. <laughs> what famous <laughs> rock climbers? Racing drivers yeah. who sound like mountaineer Sherpas. Yes. I, uh, I can't see that. Mountaineer. Go on. Chris Bollington, that's it. I don't know any other mountaineers. 
You could do the old man of Chris Hoy. Very good. Very good. That's very good. Um, okay. Now we're going to have to start thinking, aren't we? I'll come up with another one of those for next week. Next week. Maybe. Start thinking for next week, not now, for next week, racing drivers with mountaineering context. Okay? <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Racing drivers uh, or people in motor racing with mountaineering context. That will be next week. This week, it's soccer players, football players, who have the same names as soccer players. Bern Schneider, of course, is one. Ledesma was the one I was thinking of. Um, so, Argentinian plays for Juventus. Right. Uh, Moving on. Are we wrapping up with uh, Nick and I can get Yes, Marshall? get Marshall on. Okay, I shall get Marshall Because we have some things to talk about in America. Right, gang, I will see you all soon. Do you not want to come back at the end of the show for a pointless press release, Nick? Oh, oh yes, yes, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll 100% do. I want to do that, yes. Okay. The first one was very good, in fairness. Well, I didn't hear it. Have you got one more thing for uh, Nick while I get Marshall up, then? You do that. Uh, well, I was just going to play the uh, Bedford uh, Marshall. <laughs> All the news from across the pond. If it happens over there, hear about it here. Midweek Motorsport. Uh, and uh, let's uh, see if we can get on the phone the man from the left-hand coast of the United States. Let's presume he's not on the phone to somebody important and he can actually talk to us. Marshall Pruitt joins us tonight from Racer.com. Good evening from 70 degrees and sunny in Northern California. Oh, you are such, such a lucky man. Um, thank you for adding to our numbers uh, at the weekend. Uh, we'll be doing our post-race tech from uh, the weekend and the uh, Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours. You seem to have enjoyed that, MP. Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, I, I think I watched probably 10 of the 12 hours. I think there were two in there where I was emptying litter boxes and vacuuming and such. But, oh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a perfect time of the year to be a fan, right, Hindy? And yeah. I don't know how to say this without sounding blasé, but once you get into the season, at least from our side of the sport, where you are you know, flying and traveling constantly, it's a bit of a grind. Maybe the appreciation for what's in front of you is, is lacking at some events. During the preseason, though, and this to me is still feels like preseason, it was just the perfect event. You're not burned out. You can't wait. You love it. Great cars, great racing, brilliant track. Uh, I've, been, I've been to Bathurst once, and this just reminded me that I need to stop finding excuses to not make the track for the 12 hours. So I loved it. I mean, anybody, if you missed the entire race barring the last three laps, um, all I can tell you is you were fortunate to see the best of endurance racing come down to uh, some fantastic yeah. uh, results. The an epic. The we now have the model in for every racing driver school when they get to the restart portion of uh, driving <laughs> education, they have their three minute clip on how to do that, and uh, the rest of the drivers again who are vying for the podium. Uh, in my opinion, raced as hard as they could while being well-behaved. So yeah. it's everything you'd hope to see at the end of a long race. And a good time spot for you on the West Coast, of course. Uh, it actually worked quite well for you for once. You are often stymied or staying up into ridiculous early hours or getting up early, going to bed late. So it kind of worked for you, didn't it? It did. Uh, was able to wake up, do a little bit of work, uh, 
watched it uh, both in my office, then moved out into the living room and was doing other things, putting together some furniture and whatnot. So, yeah, it was great listening, watching. Also enjoyed the uh, colors skewing into a little bit of LSD-inspired stuff with folks looking like Smurfs and otherwise from time to time. But, yeah, it was great. Uh, again, it was a perfect way to uh, to spend the day, and luckily my wife uh, allowed me to uh, have that on for the majority of the day while uh, doing other random husband-like activities. Uh, let's uh, talk about one of the things that we've uh, we've got you on. We'll do a little bit of uh, of IndyCar in uh, just a, a moment because the, the silly season is well underway now. But we'll start with some sports car news, which you broke. It's it's not really. American news, but it uh, influences somebody that we know well on the program here, and that's Marino Franchitti, and at a race that we cover here on RadioLeMond.com, the Nürburgring 24. What do you know? Well, we know that uh, Jim Glickenhaus, with his Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus, team that he owns with his wife, uh, they will be, we don't have the exact roster. Uh, I'm not saying they don't have the exact roster of events, but uh, we don't have the exact roster of events. But we know that their brand new uh, twin turbo V6 powered Paolo Catoni uh, designed uh, GT prototype in the form of a uh, GT car will be contesting a number of important European endurance events. Now as a two-car team, uh, Marino was signed this week to partner with Jim, I guess you could say, in the primary car. Uh, they've sold their first customer car, and that has gone to Christopher Arud, who uh, some may know from his uh, Ferrari Challenge and other Ferrari-related exploits. And uh, he has signed Jeff Westfall, who uh, you might remember won a couple of races with Scuderia Corsa last year in the uh, Tudor Championship in GTD. So we have the makings of a, a an interesting program. Born from Glickenhaus's desire to make something of his own, they didn't grab an FIA rulebook and then start building. They looked at it, got some ideas, tried to play within the rules for the most part, the rules in a general sense, but they simply built the car and uh, are now maybe going the opposite direction of seeing who will let it run, where will, uh, what sanctioning bodies will let it in. And the other fun thing is uh, he has bigger aspirations, Heindy, uh, after 2015 to try and bring it to a, a certain 24-hour race here in America. The, the, the issue with that is it, it isn't a production car. So that's going to slightly stymie him in terms of where he's allowed to race. Effectively, it's a GT prototype, isn't it? It's a very uh, safe way of putting it. Carbon fiber chassis uh, produced by the company most know as ATR, uh, who've done many, you know, LMP1, P2 uh, chassis. They've produced two. They're going to be producing more. Um, so, yeah, from that standard point of a homologation, and you must make X amount. Um, again, this is not this is not an operation that started out with, we want to go run in this official series, and we are doing this in concert with uh, that organizing body. Uh, this is truly a meant to be a road car that is also a race car. In the old sense of you buy it, you, it's your daily driver, you take it to the track, you race it, you drive it home. Um, he even stated Le Mans as being one of the inspirations for that and hopes to be able to uh, do that at some day in the future uh, where this car can go and partake there. And uh, there was a – we spoke for a long time. 
there's a lot that I pulled out of the uh, this original interview at his request. I'll just say that uh, he has spoken with uh, the good folks at the ACO and uh, also spoken with folks at IMSA. And I know on the IMSA side, it was a bit, bit funny. He basically was saying to Jim France, well, you let the Delta Wing run, you know, that, what is that? Uh, that doesn't really fit anything, but... but you allow this, call it experimental vehicle, to run in one of your categories, uh, why not let us do that? And we don't need points. We're not here to ruin anyone's day or take away from them, but we love this. We want to do this. This is kind of a throwback to put a car together, where can we go play with it? And uh, if we look back to some of the early days of sports car racing, endurance racing in North America, that was it. It was more of a run what you brung mentality than do you comply to all 1,000 pages of the rule book? Uh, and the answer to that is it's going to be a solid no, of course. We'll see how that goes. Marino Franchitti, one of the drivers that we think might be at the Nürburgring with this. Of course, we've seen this car there before, or at least the earlier versions the p4 of it which was an absolutely uh, beautiful thing a, a fine choice for a driver to develop a car uh, if i'm honest marshall very much so and i think that's a uh, i think that's a big big part um of what he uh of what glickenhaus is looking for and what uh marino is obviously able to bring this car is in the very early stages of it is um very early stages of its development, uh, there are many things that need to be, uh, you know, optimized and such. And when you look at someone like Marino, who has been a part of whether it's HPDs, sports prototypes, uh, part of the Ford EcoBoost program, and many others before that, this is someone who slots in perfectly to it. Uh, so I think that's a great fit and good recognition. Plus, he also doesn't have a full-time drive this year at the moment. So in terms of availability and actual ability uh everything seems to be uh colliding perfectly um let, let's move on to a, a bit of indycar new silly season fully in force and uh, that means that people are beginning to either spread rumors listen to rumors um just put rumors out there like throwing bait in the water to try and get something uh, going what uh what is happening what do we think is real out there out of the uh, out the out of the uh, amount of of well, like I say, bait in the water. Really, it's like somebody just dabbling their feet in and and kicking to see what ripples are, are caused. Lots going on in the IndyCar front. They're uh, actually about 11 minutes away from wrapping up uh, second day of a two-day test at NOLA Motorsports Park in good old New Orleans. Uh, things have been going quite well there. A uh, little bit of window shopping going on with certain drivers. Stefano Coletti is there in the uh, second KV Racing entry, KVSH entry alongside Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, Mr. Coletti, from what I understand, has about half a budget uh, so we'll see if they can help get him the rest of the way to either join the team or uh, who knows if he has maybe a bit of a lesser um, lesser participation uh, throughout the year. Uh, there's some other movements going on. Justin Wilson is trying to get his deal sorted with uh, Andretti Autosport. There's 
some other news there that uh, will be saved for another day um, about other places where he might be driving. And yeah, I mean, honestly, honey, we have uh, five seats, maybe six. I've heard about uh, another team's trying to put another car on track. Uh, so it seems like there's more seats opening up and fewer people confirmed for them. Uh, just a, maybe a bit strange, Heidi, where here we are 45-ish days before the first race and approximately 25% of the grid uh, has yet to have drivers nominated. Or I shouldn't just say nominated, but actually signed money, either sponsorship money in place or personal money in place. So uh, that's another conversation for another day, but it definitely speaks to the diverging abilities for IndyCar teams to acquire the roughly $6 million per year per entry that's required to be competitive in the ability for drivers uh, to bring that or sponsors being willing to pony up that much money. So um, interesting times. I mean, there's a lot of names you can throw out there that are talking and window shopping, but uh, as one team owner told me a couple days ago, and I think this is maybe the most salient point of all, said, you know, you keep hearing about all these guys from Europe and, you know, GP2 or South America or wherever trying to uh, come over here to IndyCar. I've gotten calls from every one of them. Love them. Hope it happens. But they call and say, hey, I've got two million, maybe three. You know, can we work together? And, you know, he said, yeah, absolutely. Tell me which half of the season you want to drive because that's about all it's going to get you. Um, that it's, it's worrying. But the fact that we're talking about having potentially 24 to 25 cars in the grid at St. Pete up from 22 last year um, says there's interest. There's certainly more interest than we've seen in a long time. But uh, maybe the funds to pay for it all is still the biggest question mark uh, for some to solve. Are we expecting any big surprises? Is something going to either A, pop out the woodwork that we didn't expect and we get XXX driver, XXX sponsor or XXX team that we weren't expecting? Or on the other side, when the music stops in the musical chairs nature of how IndyCar might be for 2015, are there going to be, is there going to be a big name or are there going to be big names that are left without a chair to sit in. I have to admit, uh, Justin's the only one right now that I'm a little bit concerned about, um, and that's through no fault of his own. But again, the finances to play motor racing, uh, they're tight. And uh, I wish I could tell you that it's just IndyCar, just IMSA. It's everywhere, Hindy. I mean, we the story has circulated in every form of major form of motorsport, at least, and whether it's NHRA. Look at John Force, essentially, mm. <laughs> you know, going from being the king hero first person for people to sponsor to losing essentially everything in the, in the course of one season. You look at Formula One, you look at NASCAR, it, it's IndyCar is going, motor racing is going through that same thing, Heidi. So to your point, I think Justin's really about the only one right now where, you know, here we are on the 11th of February, the season starts, the, the race itself starts uh, March 29, and the fact that he isn't confirmed, uh, I think that not only scares me, but his fans as well. That would be a great miss, of course, and, and nobody, nobody on the out, nobody in the mist in the distance that might just pop in, even if you can't tell us who it is. Any, any bit. I mean, we've mentioned, haven't we, that there's been so much, so much interest from Europe, which it's almost like the old days. It gets like turn the back, clock back a dozen years or so, maybe more. But what I'm not seeing or hearing is anything uh, absolutely 
mind-blowing. We talked to Alexandra Latif about him going to do the road to Indy and and trying in a couple of years to be in Indy Lights. That's a bit of a change of direction from him, from sports cars. But we're not expecting uh, any big news, are we? No, we... We broke the piece about uh, Max Chilton mm-hmm. uh, coming over, looking to do Indy Lights, and then uh, basically as a bit of a warm-up and, and learner, per se, before moving up to IndyCar. I think that would be big, but, you know, relative, big in a relative sense. We're not talking about Vettel, you know, giving uh, Marinello the bird and coming over to drive for Chip Ganassi. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there are any bombshells, per se. I do know of a few... European drivers that are certainly looking uh, and I hope do make it over here because it would be, you know, quadruple awesome. But I don't think we're talking about someone where IndyCar is just going to go, yes, our Messiah has arrived. So, no, not in that sense. A couple of points coming in on what we were talking about earlier with you, Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com, about the Glickenhouse project. Uh, This from his eminence, uh, the Right Reverend Cormac O'Connell. He says, whilst it's an interesting uh, project, and he says, I've read Marshall's uh, article, I do find it a little sad that Marino Franchitti and a driver of his calibre has had to resort to getting a driver with this sort of project. Let's not forget he was going to be a works LMP1 driver with Peugeot three years ago, won Sebring overall last year. Surely he deserves to be driving for someone like Ganassi or Aston Martin Racing. Someone who can do big things rather than a privateer, garageisty type uh, effort. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of accept that. That's it's a bit odd, isn't it? I would disagree. Mm. Uh, I look at someone like Marino and say, well, anyone who knows Marino realizes that if there is something beautiful or interesting for him to drive, True. he will be there driving it. True. Uh, and while I don't want to speak for the lad's finances. Um, you know, he is not in a position like maybe some drivers who, if they aren't in a car every weekend, they're unable to pay their their mortgage or otherwise. So, uh, I would just uh, I would say to our dear uh, listener that Marino is very choosy about what he does, where he drives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if he has chosen to do this, you can expect him to have vetted it completely and decided it's worthy of putting his name on. Yeah. And uh, final point here, and uh, uh, just this underlining what Marshall was saying. This is from Andrew, who's tweeted at Specutainment. Uh, Jim Glickenhouse said he wants to race at Le Mans, so with that many would have to race Garage 56. Problem there is there's there's no braking technology in that car, is there? No, not that I know of, nor do I know that it's coming. Um, how's this? I think, and this is, how do I put this without delving into areas that uh, I shouldn't? Uh, I think we will see the concept of Garage 56, which could be Garage 61 uh, in <laughs> a few years' point. time. Um, I think the concept for that could evolve from new technology to just new concepts and concept doesn't have to be a piece of metal or carbon it could be uh hey are there any vehicles here that are actually road legal road license that you can take to uh, uh lasarth and drive so i'm not saying that's going to happen but uh, i do know that at least from some basic conversations about where right. things could head could be another could be an alternate take on a garage 61 per se 
Uh, all right, that's brilliant. MP, thanks. Great article as well this week about that Glicken House project. It's on racer.com and more from Marshall Pruitt next week. 70 degrees, he's just saying that to really wind us up, isn't he? Marshall Pruitt from racer.com there. Uh, time for another bout of this from Tim. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. And we bring Nick Damon back for this one, Tim. I never went. <laughs> yeah, He's I been never. sitting there listening quietly, fervently. I, I, I've listened quietly to Marshall in awe of his, of his actual professional journalistic knowledge in about 17 different locations now. It's brilliant. Places oh. I've listened to Marshall in. There's an uh, idea for a quiz. Right, come on, then. So uh, yeah, the, the first one I enjoyed, that was pretty good. It's going to have to be good to be with that one. Honourable mention to uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso, mm-hmm. uh, who came up with the press release uh, where the title was Scuderia Toro Rosso signed sponsorship agreement with... Toro Rosso. Red, Red Bull. Bull. No, that was it. With? With was the last word in the sentence. So they're oh. being naughty by ending with a preposition. Um, oh, was that is with the name of uh, no. a new mixer drink? No, not <laughs> at all. Good. Try good. vodka with. I think you need to get that that uh, patent pending copyrighted trademark pretty quickly. I like that straight away. I'm sure if you double... like a gin with. I'm, I'm sure drinking if, with. If you double clicked on it and uh, opened it up, I'm sure it would have revealed uh, who it actually was inside. But uh, not going to uh... give them the clickbait. Exactly. We Moving don't... on. Don't do that. So uh, today's winner, mm-hmm. or this week's winner, mm-hmm. uh, is one that you'll all love because it's really in the spirit of pointless press release of the week. Daniel Lloyd Racing is proud to announce the return of Yorkshire's premier hose distributor and service provider, Mender Hose, as a key sponsor for 2015. Hose. Founded in 1988, Castleford-based Mender Hose Hydraulics services, stocks and markets a wide range of pneumatic and hydraulic hoses, fittings and associated products, along with a 24-hour on-site hose replacement service. Oh, hose. Garden's hose. Yeah, but I've got a question about this. Mm -hmm. Uh What's the name of the company again? Mender Hose. Right, so what you say is if I am putting on a, a... uh, in period Shakespearean play, and there's a suddenly a terrible accident with me doublet. Do I then send for Mender hose? No. Yes. Like, what happens w- if I? What happens if I'm having a romantic date, and, and suddenly the, my, my my date gets well, my wife gets a ladder in her tights? Do I send out for Mender panty hose? Who are you going to call? Hosebusters. What if uh, that uh, romantic evening doesn't go very well, and you decide to find some hose? <laughs> Uh, it is my wife we're talking about here. Or <laughs> you, you've found you've You're talking spent... about going to strip clubs earlier. That's been stag night. That's last allowed night. You spent rather too much money at the restaurant and you need something to put over your head to go and knock off the local uh, bank or building society. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to call? Rent a hose. Fix or, a hose. Or if, or if you're weeding the garden and your implement breaks. Yeah. What, my fork? No, your hoe. Oh! Hose. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's wonderful. Happened, hang what, on, what, let me finish this. No, I, I just thought of another one. But surely, surely at Christmas you might need to call him out three times if Santa loses his voice. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. 
It's wonderful to be involved with Daniel once again, and this is an exciting opportunity for the Mender Hose name and brand values to be taken to a much bigger and passionate fan base, and we wish them the very best of luck for the season ahead. What championship much bigger and more passionate, by the way. Well, that's you a good question, Nick, because nowhere in the press release does it mention what championship he's in. And this is why it's a pointless press release. <laughs> Uh, so the excited final, to plug our sponsor. The final paragraph is, with a full racing programme uh, for the 2015 season now finalised, Daniel is set to announce his plans at the end of February. So they're sponsoring him for an, an as unyet known race. In a, so basically, he could be doing anything from F1 to Speedway to, uh, you know, uh, uh, monster trucks. I would suspect F1 is probably out of the question. Well, uh, I've heard that Renderhose have got Menderhose, sorry, have got very deep pockets. Well, that's filled they with have. water, very long hose. <laughs> yes, and that's all we've got time for tonight. Stay tuned for a special live uh, Bathurst post-race tech. Keep the questions coming in. Hashtag. But uh, B12HRPRT, and uh, it'll be coming up right after the jingles and a short promo. But now there's no time to explain. The llama never came home, it stayed with the kangaroo. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com. The RadioLamont.com forum is full of people just like you. People who have opinions and aren't afraid to share them, just like you. People who love all forms of motorsport, just like you. At the track, on the radio, online. Go to RadioLamont.com and click on the forum button. RadioLamont.com.